This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. Good morning. It's good to be back with you again. Those of you who are on the other side of the camera or watching on a device, good to be with you as well. Maybe you're watching it later, back from vacation or not feeling so good this morning. We're glad you're watching. We're glad you're with us. I wish you were really with us in this sense of being right here. What a great day it is to serve the Lord. Amen. Uh, I love being with you. And, and it's not just because of anything, but you encourage me. You smile at me. You say my name. You... You talk with me. Some of you only turn your back once in a while on me. It's all good. I love it. Thank you, Pastor Trenton, for the honor of sharing God's word from the pulpit. Lead pastor, as you mentioned, uh, PK, Pastor Kevin, is on vacation. Or if you're young enough, he's on vacay, right? <laughs> I, can't, I wish I could live long enough or be a fly on the wall when Pastor Trenton's in his rocking chair and he's got his kids and grandkids around his grandkids walk up and say, come up and say, when are you going to go on vv? Vv? What's vv? You know, what you used to call vacay, which moved to vake and then to vv. And, you know, it's all good. We have merch nowadays. It used to be merchandise. I call it stuff we, stuff we sell, right? But anyway, it's all, it's, it's all good. And, and uh, make sure you pray for Pastor, Pastor Rhonda, too, as they reset their lives and get that breather that they all need. I used to tell Jan when she was working, never take a five-day or seven-day vacation. Never. Because when she'd get back to work, everybody was supposed to do her work had only piled it on her desk. Right? And I said, take 10 days, take two weeks, because then the boss says, where is that project? And the person who's supposed to take your place actually has to do the work. Of, of, of the, and I'm glad he's away for a while. I'm glad. I, I want him to be able to breathe and reset his life. And uh, you and I will benefit from a rested pastor and with good. fresh vision. So let's pray right now. We're going to pray for them and then pray for God to be glorified. Father, we, we come and we, we just intercede for Pastor and Rhonda. It doesn't matter whether luggage gets lost or anything like that. What matters is that he refreshes his soul in you. Yeah. And we ask that you would just touch him and minister to him. And Rhonda, bless them greatly with your spirit. Anoint them afresh and anew. And help them come back, Lord, on fire to, to light us on fire. And we ask that you would bless today this message. May it strengthen and touch in people. May you be glorified through it, Lord. May it just help us be closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you've heard this is us, right, for the next few weeks. And uh, the goal is to remind us about what our identity as Christians is and, uh, by extension, of RLC as a church. Uh, that identity is described in the core values of RLC as found on the church website. As uh, so Trying to get a description. If you considered RLC a person, what would that person be like? Are they tall, short? Are they talkative? Are they quiet? Who, who, what is their identity? What are they like? Where do they come from? And it says, each individual Christian prioritizes these values in their lives, then all of RLC takes on that character, right? If, if I become more of a servant, as Pastor Jesse preached last week, if I become more of a servant and you become more of a servant and you become, then pretty soon what is RLC? 
as a serving church. But then you flip that over, and RLC is also preaching service and talking service and wanting to do service. And so we work on that together. Those values are up here. Christ-centered, Bible-based, serving, relevant, prayer and worship-focused, Holy Spirit-led. We have character. We are missional and intentional. We are relational and multi-generational. That is who and what we are. Uh, Pastor Kevin put it this way, uh, as I was just explaining. Me plus you equals us. And that is, in a chicken and egg way, the church's identity and our personal identity are bound together. What the church preaches, we try to become. And when we become that, that strengthens what the church preaches, and the church even begins to take on that personality. All of these things we would want every one of us to be, I'm sure, to the fullest extent possible. Pastor Kevin began the series with a foundational message about the importance of knowing our identity. Last week, uh, Pastor Jesse did an excellent job of highlighting the value of living a life of service, and I think we should give it up for him because that was a great, a great sermon, so thank you. When you're my age and you still get convicted of the Holy Spirit by the preaching, what's being preached, then that's a good sermon. That's a good sermon. This week, I'm covering the trait of being Christ-centered. What does that mean to be Christ-centered? Well, first of all, let me tell you what it does not mean. It does not mean being Christ-like. Being Christ-centered doesn't make you... It doesn't mean you are Christ-like, that you have achieved Christ-likeness. Instead, it's the means of becoming Christ-like. If I'm Christ-centered, I'm moving towards being or becoming Christ-like. The Christ-centered life focuses on becoming Christ-like in every aspect of our life by rearranging our selfish ways into Jesus' ways. To become like Christ, I must be Christ-centered. You may hear Christ-centered and Christ-like a lot more than what I've just said, so get ready, folks. By the way, the timer isn't working up above, so I'm preaching as long as I want to preach. Christ-like, Christ-centered, Christ-like, Christ-centered, over and over and over again. (laughs) Being Christ-centered means I'm working on becoming Christ-like until I reach heaven when God will complete that that course. Secondly, the Christ-centered life, along with our Bible, is absolutely the gauge we use for evaluating the other core values in our lives. If we want to check out, are we a good servant? We, we check out the Bible, we check out Jesus, watch how he serves, see what the Bible says about serving, and then we can say, I'm centering my life on Christ as we move towards those goals. Becoming a missional, becoming intentional, becoming a, a person of prayer, et cetera, et cetera. You're becoming Christ-centered is how you check on whether you're moving in all of those things. As I center myself on Jesus' way of thinking, feeling, and doing these other priorities, uh, these these other priorities are held in the light of God's will. So look at that, how that works, then I get more and more Christ-like. The Relevant Life website defines or explains being Christ-centered in a very simple terms. It says, Christ-centered, having an intimate relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it has Philippians chapter 3, 10 on it. And I'll, it should be up there on the slide. Yeah. 
I want to know Christ, yes, and to know the power of his resurrection. This is Paul talking. And participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. So this is a goal for Christians. And using more words, there's a website called uh, gotquestions.org. Great great spot to, to put in questions from Christianity. Explains it like this. Followers of Christ who center their lives on him start to become more like him. They talk about him, think about him, dream about him, and scheme to spend more time with him. They choose to obey his commands out of love and honor for their Lord, not from fear of being caught in sin. The greatest desire of Christ-centered believers is to please him and grow to be more like him. The chief aim of a Christ-centered life is to glorify God. And there are several, there's so many scriptures that would, we could preach from about this, but I've listed, I think, six here or so. I, I just want to go over those real quick. I'm not going to preach them because I just want the word to speak to your heart. Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 8.5, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. 2 Corinthians 5, 14 to 15, for God's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Romans 12, 1 to 2, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. There are so many more scriptures, but we're going to talk a little bit of theology today. It's God's plan for every believer to be set aside for his purposes and his glory. That's Christ-centeredness, to be set aside. This is called sanctification. In reality, this is a partnership between God and you. God has done his part to sanctify you, to set you aside for his glory through many things. Primarily the work of Jesus Christ is the source of all those. What he has done, we call positional sanctification. You're sanctified by a position. Positional sanctification means we are sharing all that Jesus is in his person and we share in what he did and will do his work. This is often overlooked. You have a union with Christ. There's scripture that says, if you are united with Christ, this is Romans 6, if you are united with Christ in his death, so you will also be united with him in his resurrection. You and Christ are one. Jesus said over and over in John, for example, if I'm in the Father and Father's in me and I want you to be in me like I'm, like, like I'm in you, over and over and over, there's a uni united position here. So what has Christ done for us? Let's name just a few things. As he died unto sin, so we too have died unto sin. Say, sin is dead in me. Just say it. Sin is dead in me. 
The devil wants to make you believe it's alive. And if we're tempted and we try to give and we give into it, it becomes alive again. And there's a whole war going on, a spiritual war in our heart. But Jesus killed sin, not only at the cross, not only for me, but in you as well. It's dead to us. As he rose from the dead, so have we. You're already resurrected. You're looking forward to the rapture. You're looking forward to going to be with Jesus. I walked into the hospital room the other day with a flower on the door, which means that they're only getting comfort care. There was a gentleman in there. He hadn't lived for God for most of his life. I said, how are you doing? And he looked at me. He says, I've been dying to meet people like you. It's a joke, folks. He's dying. I've been dying to meet people like you. Sorry it wasn't funny, but that's what he said. And, and uh, then we talked, and he said, you know, I'm, I'm in a win-win situation. I'm either going to get a miracle and walk out of this place, or I'm going to heaven. And I, I, re- I reminded him that the only way he's going to heaven is with Jesus in his heart. And he said, that's right. And he recounted his life. And man, he hasn't been close to God ever. But just like the thief on the cross, he came to a decision. If I'm going to die, I'm going to find Jesus. As we are, there is a resurrection. It's already taken place. Because Jesus was raised, you're already raised. We just look for it by faith. As he was seated at the right hand, God's right hand, so are we. You're already at the right hand of God, which means you're at the favor. God's favor is on you. The right hand of God means where God's favor is. You have God's favor in your life. As he is the son, so we are now children. All of you have been adopted in the kingdom. You're all children of God already. You don't have to wait for heaven. You are a child of God. As he is eternal life, so we have eternal life. You're gonna, if you've placed your faith in Christ, eternity is yours. You are eternal right now. Not after you die. You're eternal now. You're going to live forever now in heaven. As he is perfect righteousness, so we have his righteousness. Philippians 3.9. He's, he's right. He's correct in all that he does. He has the rightness of God because he is God. You are righteousness before him. You're going to put on robes of righteousness when you get into heaven, but you are righteous before him now. Otherwise, there'd be no sense in you having a prayer life. There's no sense in it. If you're unrighteous, you shouldn't be praying to a righteous God. But God has made you righteous. So you can now come and in and, and, and your position as a child of God, you can speak to God. You have the favor of God. You're sinless before God. There is no condemnation before. There are, these are just a few of the positions God has put you in. You could add many more, including being chosen, again, without condemnation, being empowered. Jesus did all these things for you, and aren't you thankful for that? He, you are a child of God right now. Raised from the dead, being born again right now. You don't have to wait for that. And he did it all by his grace and by his mercy. Positional sanctification never changes because God doesn't change and he's already accomplished it. You are positioned as a child of God, sitting at God's right hand of favor, and eternal life is your uh, destined location. He is the vine, you are the branches which means that what Jesus is, you are now because you're connected in. An apple branch to an apple tree, it's all apple, folks. And he's, he's done this for you. But this isn't the whole story. God, through Jesus, has accomplished all of this for you. But now comes the partnership side. We have the task of living our lives to reflect our positional sanctification 
And that seems to be where I struggle and where all of us struggle. And this becomes what we call progressive sanctification. Our likeness to him evolves and grows as our understanding and determination to be what the, be a child of God, a proper child of God, what it looks like and what it becomes. As I grow in, in my understanding of him, then, I, then that's progressive. I can grow in that, in that level of spiritual walk. Christ-centeredness means I work at constantly becoming more like him over time so that I progress as a partner in his purposes and in his glory. It is progressive as his transforming power moves me ever closer to the image of God. And he is doing that. It says in Philippians that God's got a plan for you and he's going to accomplish it. You are being graduated from grade level to grade level and class to class and moving up, moving up all the time because God's Holy Spirit is helping you accomplish this progressive sanctification. We all start in different points and God takes that into account. Some of you are coming from such a terrible family background. You have a lot of troubles trusting and, and, and things of that nature. God knows that. He's going to work with you on that. Some of you come from this wonderful family background, and, he, and God knows that you trust your family too much, and he's working on you the other way around to help you, help you uh, give out of that background. But we progress, and we learn, and we grow. It's also progressive in the sense that moving toward the image of Christ is always voluntary on my part. I choose to be Christ-centered. Did you notice in all those supportive scriptures, phrases like seek first, remain in me, which means you could choose not to remain in him. Those who live should no longer live for themselves. Offer your bodies. The work of God in everyone is, is, is voluntary. I know the world tries to tell you that God suppresses you and oppresses you and holds you down and he's a no fun God. And all that. But the truth of the matter is all the fun in God is found by those of us who seek him and chase after him. That he's our, he's our, our heavenly father and he loves it. He loves it. Mike had a little girl, he might be called his daughter, come running in and grab him just like she missed him so much. That's what God wants and it's voluntary on our part. We can hold God at arm's length, even as Christians, and say, only this much of you, God. That's all I want. I just want this much. But in reality, it's a voluntary position to move closer, to be Christ-centered, and to put ourselves uh, closer and closer to what the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. Amen. I wish I could tell you that all my efforts to be Christ-centered were a wonderful straight line of achievement. Oh, look at Larry get holy. Woo! Ah, they never have been. Sometimes I think I've made great progress only to find out that God wants me to learn the lesson again and again and again because it's like the peeling of the onion. It gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Or sometimes I, I, because he gives me grace and mercy and answers a prayer, I begin to think that, hey, what I did, it caused that prayer to be answered. And he has to help me see. And usually that happens through trials and tribulations and some opposition and that sort of thing. It also happens because I attend church and listen to good preaching. And God speaks to my heart through that. But it's just never, never assume that everybody else has got it easy and you've got it hard. All of us growing in the Lord struggle to center our lives on Christ. And once we think we're centered, we find out, no, we're a little off-center. Can you imagine, you know what it's like to drive in a car with a wheel that's, that's out of balance? Or drive the car and, and it's not in alignment, it's not centered, as we would say. It just goes everywhere and it bounces everywhere. It, it, it's hard to do. So we find that out and we get ourselves back with God. 
If you're not centering your life on Jesus, you are centering your life on something else. You, you are doing it. I watched my first sermon I ever preached here online. It's still there, amazingly so. And, uh, and I mentioned about how one time I was preaching and there was a, an older lady, probably 80 years old, and she was on Facebook right in front of me. Right, I mean, she was sitting right there and I was preaching. Folks, it just makes you wonder, is she centered on Jesus or is she centered on, on her children and grandchildren and friends? She just had to know. I mean, that finger was just flying, you know. Young people today have the strongest fingers that have ever been in the world, I'm pretty sure. But none, nonetheless, we had to pass notes on real paper in, in, in my day, you know. We couldn't text or anything. Whether it's comfort or pleasure or money or family or something else, what you center your life on is what you substitute for Jesus. What you talk about, what you think about, what excites you, what you purchase, what you do, all reveals where you have centered your life. If we center our lives elsewhere, we can easily leave Jesus out of the equation of life itself. But if we center our lives on him, all the rest of life becomes his added blessing to us. Everything else is available to us for joy and for comfort and for strength and for, for uh, being able to uh, get through whatever we face. So how do we proceed? That's the question. How do we proceed? Number one, we focus. Being Christ-centered takes a, for, a focus on what is really important in my life and the process of attaining that goal. I've known uh, people before and, and I'm sure many of you have too, and have maybe even dealt with it in your family, that uh, got bad news as far as how long they're going to live. Whether it's cancer or something else, you've only got this much time. I want to tell you that clarifies your life on the, on the inside. Uh, I knew a gentleman, he was told he had pancreatic cancer, which if you know that situation, it, well, usually within two or three months, you, you've gone to see Jesus. He told me when he went home, he, he, uh, everything was new. When he went home from the doctor, he looked at his toaster and said, that's a toaster. The knobs are right here. It toasts bread. It gets hot. You know why? Because he was in such shock that all of a sudden, everything he took for granted was gone. Everything. Those are shoes. I put them on my feet. But in a few months, that was going to no longer happen. Except God gave him a miracle. He's still alive today. He's one of the 1% survivors that had happened. I had a gentleman in, in Sweet Home, uh, both lungs, uh, fibr fibrosis, whatever, where your lungs fill up with fibers, needed a double lung transplant. His life was clarified. What's important anymore? Have I been in love with my wife like I should? Have I taken care of the church like I should? Do I communicate with my children like I should? Everything came into focus. Apostle Paul put it this way in Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. 
Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The Greek word for press is dioko, which means to pursue with a purpose. The Greek word for strain is epictinomai, which means to stretch for or toward. We can easily picture it like the runners in the Olympics towards the finish line as they stretch like this, or they reach out and they're trying to be the first to cross the line. As Pastor Kevin told us two weeks ago, we do not take for granted the work of God in our lives. We pursue it and we focus on it. We stretch so as to win the prize. Don't be a Christian that thinks you can float through life. You're going down a rapids and you better focus on the rocks ahead and on the currents and use your your uh, paddle your oar and help yourself navigate and be close to the one who knows how to get you through. We focus on what we do. One way we can help ourselves focus is to remind ourselves regularly of four things. These four things are so important. Christ's place for, for us. Christ's purpose for us. Christ's power through us. And Christ's presence in us. These are all gifts that are positional in nature. They don't change. God is not, Jesus doesn't come, okay, Julie, I know um, I've been loving you all week, but I know you got a problem on Friday, but I'm going to be out of the office. I, I'll see you. He's in you. He's with you. He said he'll never leave you or forsake you. That position isn't going to change. Sometimes we get so anxious, but we forget these four things. Christ's place for you. Christ's purpose for you. Christ's power through us and Christ's presence in us. We are co-heirs with Jesus of the grace of God. God shares his purpose in seeing others come to, we share his purpose in seeing others come to salvation and bringing glory to the Father. We have gifts from him that are powerful in their application and Jesus is with us always and the Holy Spirit is in residence in our lives. Another way of perceiving these positions is that God has given us full and complete acceptance for who you are. Say it with me, God accepts me. God accepts me. Say it again. God accepts me. Now say it this way. God accepts me. You are accepted by God. You're not rejected by God. You've come to God and you've said, Lord, I need you. I need your salvation. And he goes, come here. Come here. Let me give you a hug. And the second part of this is we belong to God, but we belong to him as family. He doesn't just call you children because you're things and you can work out in the field for him. He calls you as children because he loves you and he cares about you. That hug from him is because you are part of his family now. And he's not just even the natural, you're an unnatural child and that you're adopted. He came and changed your nature and said, no, nah, you're not just of the world anymore. You're of me. You belong to me. You're my kids. And that doesn't change. That's positional. And the third thing is that, as I lose my place, Amazing what happens under the anointing when this machine just doesn't do what you want it to do. We are competent in him. We are competent in him to do his will. Oh, no, not me. I, 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 not, not, not me. Oh, yes, you are. Are you telling me the Holy Spirit is too weak to work through you? That you're stronger than the Spirit of God? Oh, no, he's poured his spirit out into you and his work is 
going to happen through you as long as you submit to him. He is going to give you powerful things in order to reach your world, love your family, be a blessing in the church, and walk forward in him. You are competent in the power of God because God said, I'm going to help you with this. I'm going to give you myself. Right now, I'm not preaching under my flesh. At least I hope not. I hope that the power of the Holy Spirit, no matter how weak I am, is being strong for you. And as the Spirit speaks in you, then wonderful good things happen. Imagine what focus does for a telescope or a microscope or even my glasses. You know, you're all pretty blurry right now. Isn't that right, Trenton? <laughs> you know, who's the lady you're sitting next to over there, Jan? I, I'm telling you, where's the front edge of this stage? If you're not Christ-centered, that's the way your spiritual life is, blurry. But when you pull them down and you get them focused and you get your eyes in the right spot, when you get Jesus in here first and get focused through him, then life looks right. Life is right, and you are doing right by being Christ-centered. And that's what focus does for us. A telescope or a microscope can show you magnificent things, tiny or distant, whatever it is. But only if you get centered and only if the, the lenses are right. And you get your lens right by looking through Jesus. Which brings me by, to my next point, filtered. What is the process of living a life that is Christ-centered? It's pretty simple, really, although not always easy to do. We use the filter of Christ, the Bible, and the Holy Spirit for all things incoming to my life, all things inside of my being, and all things outgoing from my life, like actions and speech. What does a filter do? It purifies and makes whatever passes through it move to the needed state. I can feel air coming right now. It's filtered air coming through. It's good air. It's cool air. Yes, it feels great. But imagine if it's, what is that smell? without the filter. What is that? Is that mildew or mold in there? What is that? But the filter stops all that, catches all the pollen. It, steps, it takes everything. Jan, I need my, my uh, filter there. I brought a furnace filter today because Jesse brought something to show off and I need to do that too. And Trenton's under pressure for next week. So whatever, whatever. This is a furnace filter. It's a really cheap one because I use these in my shop, in my wood shop, uh, when I'm sanding and stuff, and I put a box fan behind it, and it sucks the air through, and I sand in front of it, and, and you should see the ones I have to throw away. They're just absolutely covered with dust. I use this and a mask, a dust mask to protect my, my lungs. Remember that PK mentioned protecting our identity. Being Christ-centered means I use the Bible and Jesus' example and the Holy Spirit to filter life and protect my spirit and protect my God-given identity as a child of him. Note that I said God's filters are used for incoming, outcoming, outgoing, and existing factors in my life. So let's just give some examples of that, okay? Single and dating. Beautiful young lady. Jesus. Handsome young man, whatever for whichever, you know. All right. Are they serving Jesus? Are they in love with Jesus? Are they close to Jesus? My filter helps me know that because those are important to him. 
big check, big bonus at work. <laughs> Jesus filter. Where should that money go? How should it be used? Will it be used for his glory? Or do I get to add another ATV to my six that are already in the backyard, not quite working, but I'm going to buy another one so I don't have to repair those? Well, Jesus filter. Jesus filter. Wife. Harsh words. Is she getting the hint yet? <laughs> but you see, it's not just that. It's when, when I filter, maybe those harsh words are because I haven't responded earlier like I should have. See, it's, it catches those things, and I'm reminded I'm a child of God, and I need to respond like God. And it's not just that. Then let's turn that around. It's not just incoming. It's outgoing. Why you, I'd like to love you like Jesus loves you. <laughs> Right? Hey, you know, um, we're short cash, but Jesus told me he'd take care of me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a blessing where I can be a blessing and be a good steward, and I'm going to do what Jesus wants me to do with whatever lack or surplus I have. It goes through here. Now, I didn't bring one of my old filters, but I can tell you one side is a lot darker than the other side because of the filtration. The world and the devil want to send you junk and crud and awful things. You need to put your Jesus filter up, and then you can center your life. See, you can, get, you can get through life the way God wants you to based on that. And then I also said, you know, you need to take a deep dive into your own soul and run it through the Jesus filter as well. What is, you know, right inside? Am I, what am I carrying? What, maybe it didn't come in right away. Maybe it's something that happened in my, in my childhood, maybe in school, maybe very traumatic situation happened to you. Are you running it through the Jesus filter, your soul, so you know whether you're responding as well? And hopefully, here's what happens. All the junk gets stopped going in because we choose Jesus to protect us, and all the good stuff gets through and goes out. All the junk gets stopped going out because we choose Jesus to protect others. And all the junk gets cleaned out of our inner self because we choose Jesus to heal us and protect our life in him. A person I know told me that one time they were supervising employees. And she, this person uh, was occasionally given difficult employees because she was such a good supervisor. Okay, And, and at some point, the person she answers to said... I want you to give a performance re review to this other person, and I want you to set it up so we can fire them. Now, you think about that. Because they were a poor employee, they wanted to get them out the door, but they had to have justification. To which the person I know said to them, I will not write a false report. I will write the performance review. If you find something in there, from my honest, from, from my honest report, that you can fire them for, you can do so. But I'm not writing reports, so you can fire them. That's the Jesus filter. Could have caved in and said, well, my job's on the line if I don't do what I'm told. But Jesus protects, and Jesus works, and your integrity is quite real. Occasionally, it's important to check to see if your filter is up and working. When those ones I work in the, in the shop 
get too plugged up, they don't really work well anymore. So remember 2 Corinthians 13, 5, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you fail the test? So, Lord, help us all get a clean filter, which is named Jesus, the real filter, Jesus. Be centered on Christ. Be centered on him. And his filter will always clean out the junk and always uh, stay, keep you safe. The third point, faithful. Being centered on Christ means to persist in it always. I said earlier there can be a rugged path to follow. But you move mountains one rock at a time, and while the journey begins with one step, as the old Chinese proverb says, it gets done by putting one foot in front of the other over and over and over again. Ever been on that long airplane flight and you keep looking at you? When are we going to get there? Where are we? Are we over the Grand Canyon yet? Are we, are we over the Rockies? Where are we at? Where are we at? And, and this happens in our spiritual life as well. You just got to keep moving forward. Keep attacking life. Keep, stay focused. Keep your filter up. And if you've taken the easy way out for a while, if you've gotten away from being Christ-centered, remember this. He welcomes you back. You're still his child. He still loves you. He still cares about you. If you've wandered away a little bit, it's okay. You can come right on back. Just make a determination. That's what I'm going to do. Faithfulness means staying after it. Do you see yourself as a leader, maybe, as a promoter of values and direction just in your own family? When I say leader, I don't mean the next president of the United States or anything like that. But are, do you lead? Are you honest? Are, you, do you, are your ethics strong enough to, to, to deal with things? That's leadership. Well, then be faithful to be centered on Christ all the time, and your leadership will be enhanced. Pastor Kevin talked to promoting our identity, and one of the best ways to do that is to never let your example to others dim. Stay faithful to focusing and filtering each day. Abraham Lincoln said, I'm a slow walker, but I never walk back. In other words, I never go back. I stay forward, I, I keep moving, I stay faithful. Nothing so conclusively proves a man's ability to lead others as what he does from day to day to lead himself. Thomas Watson and Michael Jordan, earn your leadership every day every day. Being faithful means centering your life daily. If our walk with Jesus is too hit and miss, it's time to recenter our lives on him. Look through his lenses and use him as a filter and do so on a faithful basis. It's the only way to grow in him and help others do the same. I, I want to tell you that as you clearly know, I'm not perfect. It's the times that I've lost my sitter on Christ, though, that I've set my own ministry back and set my own leadership back, whether in my family or in the church. There's been times, believe it or not, the, the most wonderful pastor is the one who can always keep his cool. I wasn't always that, that, that good of a person. I wish I was. And getting forgiveness is wonderful, but oh, how I wish I'd never had to ask for forgiveness. Oh, how I wish I didn't have to rebuild a reputation, regain my credibility, because for just for a moment, I centered on me instead of on what Jesus wanted. It's so important, our faithful walk, it lends to you that credibility, that integrity for others. 
we've all known it as parents where we we went too far, said too little, whatever it was. We should have, and that, and, that, and that's a pain to us to try to get back what's well, a pain to the other people too, to your children. If our walk with Jesus is too hit and miss, it's time to recenter our lives on him. Look through his lenses and use him as a filter and do so on a faithful basis. Do you want to be Christ-centered every day? That's kind of a bromide, and we could all easily say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And then we can walk out the door, and it just, that, oh, yeah, became, yeah, that's what I said this morning. But right now, I'm, I got to get home and watch the football game. And uh, some of us are, you might be like me. Why do I shout at a TV at a referee I don't know and, know, and he can't hear me anyway? Now, that's just a simple illustration, but sometimes we, oh, yeah, in church, that going out the door, that, oh, yeah, becomes, oh, well, that's going to be work. It's kind of like all these kids coming back from youth camp. So glad for them. So glad for the Spirit of God. But how many of you personally, you went to youth camp or some other men's or women's convention, and you came back sky high on fire for God, and two weeks later, nothing had changed from, from before going to, to youth camp? This is a decision you got to make. I'm going to stay faithful. I am not going to go back. Even if it's a little step of praying a little bit more, spending a little more time memorizing a scripture or thinking about that scripture. And you know what? I know I keep saying I'm going to help. Next time overflow comes, I'm signed up first. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to do something for Jesus Christ because I'm going to center my life on what Jesus thinks and not on what's convenient or what's easy or what I want anymore. Centering your life on Jesus can be really tough. I want to tell you that. I don't want to tell you it's going to be clean and easy. But you know what? Most people don't like clean and easy. They like a challenge. That's what sports is all about. That's what competitive, that's what Jeopardy is all about. For, you know, we got to challenge. These people are so smart, but now they got to work against somebody else smart too. And that's what makes it fun to watch, right? And plus, every once in a while, I get a question right. Just every once in a while. But here's the deal. Being Christ-centered may mean you're going to have to give up something what you consider really important to your life. There was a time in my life when I was deeply hurt and deeply offended. Deeply offended. And what I had to do was walk in forgiveness and I didn't like it. I didn't like it. But I had to walk in it and walk in it and walk in it and walk in it. And the person I, that offended me never apologized or asked forgiveness, but they started acting like nothing had ever happened eventually. And I had to be happy with that. But you know why? You know why I did that? Because Jesus told me in the scripture, if I don't forgive, his father can't forgive me. So I've got to forgive. I've got to let it go because I want forgiveness in my life. That's Christ-centeredness. And I'm not bragging on myself. I'm just trying to prepare you that as you move forward in Jesus Christ, you may find this is not an easy thing to do. The preacher can preach it, but for me to walk it is going to take determination, faithfulness, putting that filter up, and real focus. That's what it's going to take. So I want you to be ready. The devil doesn't want you to win. But as I said earlier, you're already a child of God. You're already empowered by God. You're already accepted by God. You already belong to God. 
So do God things. Be centered in Jesus Christ. Always frame your testimony to other believers and to the unsaved in how you have grown and how you anticipate more growth in your life. Don't ever say, oh yeah, I got it. Say, I'm still learning it. I'm just moving forward. Things have changed for me to the better. It's kind of like losing weight. You know, one pound at a time. Just lose weight one pound at a time. And don't ever say, I'm, I'm there. I, I, I'm there. I, I've accomplished it. Instead, I'm going to be a healthy person. I'm going to forget about losing weight. I'm just going to be, choose to be healthy. I'm going to be healthy all the time. And make, frame your, your life in that way. Let others know that you share a journey together to become more Christ-like by being Christ-centered, by focusing on Him. So here's the challenge. Will you live a Christ-centered life? Will you choose it? Will you focus on it? Will you make Him your filter? Will you be faithful? Will you not be comfortable in your walk, but be like Paul, stretching and straining and trying to get to the finish line? Is that really what you want in your life? That's the challenge for all of us. It's a challenge for me. I had to remind myself as I sat there waiting to come up here and the nervousness starts to come a hold and, and the anxiety about being in front of people. I had to remind myself, Larry, you're a child of God. God already accepts you. It doesn't matter. Just preach the word of God and walk in God. That's what God wants out of you. It's what we must do. Center ourselves. If Jesus walked in that door, how would I be living right at this moment? If Jesus sat down beside you, how would you respond? Will you just come with me in prayer and I'm gonna invite the prayer team to come forward now and uh, just ask God's blessing as we focus on centering ourselves in the Lord. Heavenly Father, I just come in Jesus' name and I pray, I pray that you would touch us and strengthen us and help us be focused on you every day. Have you be our filter, catching all, all the positional stuff. Let it catch the crud and let the good stuff pass through to our, whole, our spirits, Lord. Help us walk in holiness. Help us do your will. Lord, thank you for your care and for your goodness. Lord, I, I need your Holy Spirit to touch my heart and life. And I pray you touch everyone in this room's heart and life to center themselves on you, Lord. It's not because we want to we wanna just fit some church uh, idea of what sort of what a Christian is like. It's because, Lord, that's, that's your requirement of us, and we love you, and we want to we wanna meet, meet you and, and be, give you glory. We want this help, Lord, in our in our lives. Thank you, God, for all you're doing, the power that you're pouring out, already have poured out in our lives. This week, remind us we are children of God. We are set free from sin. We have your power working in us, and we have a purpose in our life to live for you, for you to get glory and to be honored. I ask this blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. These have come to help you pray. If you need to rededicate your life to Jesus, or maybe you need to give your life to him for the first time, you want to be Christ-centered, these will help you uh, pray through that and do that. They're only going to pray for you. 
They're not going to uh, give you uh, great counsel and wisdom and preach at you. They're going to simply beseech God for you. So if you would like to come, please come. In the meantime, thank you for being here. Be blessed in the Lord. And uh, thank you for uh, your attention and your love. Be blessed. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.